Exercise doesn't have to be painful. Your diet doesn't need to be bland and boring. It's time to have less pain and move more and learn how to be better to yourself. Welcome to Pain-Free Day with your host, Joshua Cohen. In this program, you'll learn the pain-free way to eat, the pain-free way to exercise, and the pain-free way to live a better life. Now, here's Joshua Cohen. Welcome to Pain-Free Day. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Cohen. I'm here with my good friend, Sean Lavalley. I'm very excited for the show today. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Sean is a longtime near dear friend of mine, uh, known him for many years. Um, he, I've gotten a lot of information and a lot of ideas about healthcare, exercise, nutrition, different things like that from him. He's very well read, very in great shape. Uh, he was in the army for a long time, was a private contractor, really is taking care of himself a lot. And I always get good ideas from him. So I thought he'd be a good person to bring on the show. So, you know, cause I want a lot of you listeners to hear regular people talking about how do we, uh, how do, you know, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we, you know, what's a realistic way for taking care of ourselves? How do we eat? How do we exercise? How do we reduce pain? How do we keep ourselves exercising so we can keep our pain reduced, keep ourselves feeling well? So, you know, I thought it would be a good idea. Um, I thought it'd be a good idea to have Sean on here and give us some ideas. So welcome, Sean. Well, thank you, Josh, for that lovely introduction. It's kind of humbling to say that stuff. So I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, you know, but you know, I've learned a lot about you. I mean, you were the guy that got me back in like, we were just talking about this the other day, back in 2003, I think it was, that you got me into kettlebells, yes, you know, working with uh, Brett Jones, who's one of the senior kettlebell instructors. He'll be on the show next week. And it was, it was yeah, how did, how did you find out about them? It's just, I was thinking, I was trying to figure it out. And somewhere, and I don't remember the magazine, I want to say it was Muscle Media 2000. I think it was I said Muscle, you know, something like that. Yep. Because, uh, Bill Phillips, who did that magazine, he had like all this cutting edge stuff. And so he, I stumbled upon it and there was an article by Pavel Sotsaline, uh talking about the benefits of the kettlebell swing and the clean and press. I was, I had never heard of kettlebells, didn't know where they, anything about them, but it just touted the benefits of these things. So I decided, I started to implement with a dumbbell kettlebell swings and clean and presses at the end of my workout. So I was doing standard like bodybuilding stuff, you know, the bench press and all that normal stuff. And I started doing that at the end of my work because I was still in the army at the time and I had like the best PT test scores I ever had. I couldn't believe the benefits I got from it. So then fast forward a year or two after that, I get out of the army. I come back, I order everything Pavel related, like <laughs> all his books, you know, and then I got some kettlebells and that's, I found Brett who was local, one of the very few in the area and uh, did a training session with him. And it's been since then. It's been nonstop kettlebell. So that's, you know, and that's cool that you're saying that about how you had the best PT test afterwards, because that goes along with what I've been hearing and reading about with kettlebells and that, you know, um, they're great full body exercises, you know, and we've been talking about uh, Pavel's, is it the sweet and sinister routine? Simple and sinister. Simple and sinister, yeah. where basically all you're doing are kettlebell swings and Turkish getups. And that's basically a full body workout between the two. You know, when you're starting out with exercise, like a lot of you, a lot of you listeners will be, um, you don't want to do complex muscle 
exercises or complex muscle motions. You want to start out easy with pec flies, bent over rows, things like that, stuff that, don't, that doesn't hurt you. But after you do that for six months to a year and strengthen things up, you're kind of getting yourself in shape to exercise. Once you get yourself in a little bit of shape, then you can start trying some of these other things that really help kind of connect your body. Um, they help connect all the different parts because in the root, you know, what the saying is that in the real world, you're never going to have a chance to do a bench press, but you will have a chance to get up off the ground, you know, run across the street, different things like that, that uh, kettlebells can help out with, you know, but also, you know, certainly traditional weightlifting does help stabilize your body, does help out. But, you know, this is kind of an advanced um, version of weightlifting that we've gotten into that, you know, once you guys get yourself in shape, you can really progress into. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, um, so you're also very into nutrition and that was a lot of what I wanted to talk about today. Sure. So yeah, you know, how did you, uh, how did you get into nutrition? What did you start? Like what started you on it? Well, I think, cause I, I mean, and just disclaimer, like I've, I've been exercising in some capacity most of my life. I start, you know, I had my first weight set. I would think I was in fifth or sixth grade. It was like a set of Sears plastic weights. They were terrible, but, <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing, but I was trying. So then wrestling and then, you know, from there, it's just, you know, lifting and army and all that stuff. So I've always been into fitness. Hand in hand with that goes nutrition. But I think it's the last thing to catch on. Mm -hmm. And that was me. I mean, I was, I call it the illusion of being healthy. Like I ate healthier than most people, but I also didn't eat all that healthy compared to what I do now. So over the years as I've aged and I noticed the importance of, uh, nutrition and how much more it impacts you i really got kind of full-on deep into nutrition and you know I've, I've also and and once you tune yourself you really notice when you change your nutrition how much it affects you so and it's really been in the last honestly the last like five years or so six years that i've maybe seven that i've really really gone deep on nutrition because i and it's also knowledge you know that information that was out in the past is not really well received these days. And there's so much new information about what you should do and what you shouldn't eat. And no one was talking about sugar all that much. And, you know, no one had any idea how much sugar they were actually getting in. And I never thought about sugar as it, I mean, I knew it wasn't great, but I also didn't think it was that bad. You know? See, along those lines, I think that nutrition is vastly overlooked. You know, a lot of people, they just want to, they'll just exercise and, you know, not want to watch what they eat. They'll exercise so that they can eat worse, <clears throat> but it really does affect how you affect your performance. It affects your cognitive functioning, your physical, you know, how you feel, just how your body develops, how you age. And one of the things that I really like that I've been seeing more and more of is that you can't out-exercise a bad diet. You know, and what they're saying is that, you know, your waistline is determined in the kitchen at this point versus in the gym, because, you know, the way I like to put it to my patients is you go out, you know, let's say you run for an hour hard, you're breathing heavy, you can't carry on a conversation because you're breathing so hard, you know, you'll burn maybe six to 800 calories, you know, you go out and eat a piece of cheesecake, 750 calories. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like I used to, and again, not knowing, I mean, I was also victim of being in the army and their nutrition, which isn't the greatest all the time. And the chow hall has limited options, but I used to think like, Oh, I'm going to go to Taco Bell and get a chicken burrito because it's chicken. It's healthy. And think that that was a good now granted it's better than a big Mac, but mm -hmm. it's not great. And so that was kind of where my mindset was, was, and again, with sugar, like not knowing, like I would think eating yogurt with fruit at the bottom was a good, that's better than, some things, but it's also got a ton of sugar in it and it's not that great for you. So, and 
I've noticed too, again, like, and I was a better, you know, like you were talking about, you can't work out past a bad diet. And, you know, that was my thing. I can't imagine how much better I would have been had I known, you know, nutrition and the information I know now, not that I was bad again, but I would, an example would be post-workout having uh, two packets of instant oatmeal with apple cinnamon in it and two scoops of flavored protein. It was just so much sugar and and chemicals and just not great stuff again better than a lot of things but right but, but not great yeah you know and it, <clears throat> i really find that it's kind of varying degrees you know and it's like a take it step by step and you can't kind of go yeah. all at once you know um i remember uh talking with um our friend um mike schultz who uh you know it's like he was on the show last week yeah. but he used to do 24-hour mountain bike races by himself yeah. and i remember talking to him about hey you can have your nutrition work for you or against you yeah. because like he would go and just kind of do like 24 hours just powered by like twinkies or bear claws or stuff like that since then his nutrition has vastly improved you're yeah. talking about that's like 15 years ago yeah. but it really does make a difference with just how everything performs yeah and i i mean back when we were racing mountain bikes all the time you know, and I remember being down in some of those races with Schultz and stuff and just, but I would, even what I was eating, but like before the race, I don't, I, I, I didn't realize why I was so sluggish on the rides. I was just taking in way too much stuff beforehand and just bogged down. My body couldn't digest it or process it. And again, you, you know, hopefully it's better to figure out nutrition before you figure out exercise, <laughs> but for most of us and a lot, or at least a lot of us, you know, you figure out the nutrition after you learn how to exercise. And again, I, you know, who knows how much better off I'd be now, but it is what it is. So, you know, but that's a big part of it is trial and error and yeah. just kind of finding what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Yeah. You know, I like to joke with patients where it's like, okay, you know, the way you find your limitations is by exceeding them and irritating something. And then you say, okay, that was a little too much. Yeah. Let me back off, yeah. you know, but it's like, I mean, that I, I'm a big believer that that's how we learn, you know, like how you eat, how, you know, what works for you. Because like we, Sean and I were talking a little bit earlier, and one of the fascinating things that's coming out with nutrition now is that everybody's a little different and everybody's body is a little bit different and needs a little different nutrition. You know, certain one diet will work for Sean that won't necessarily work for me, that'll work for somebody else. You know, it's just going to depend on how, you know, how you're just kind of genetically set up, you know, your genes, yes. yep. you know, but then also how you've eaten for the past 20 years, that's going to dictate how you're going to react to certain yeah and i think the and i like i know now i focus a lot on like general gut health is and there's so much more information coming out right now about your gut biome and everything going on and how much that impacts everything in your body and it's all fairly new information mm -hmm. and I, that was one of the catalysts of kind of how i eat now was when i first kind of hit my gut health without knowing what i was doing and how much it messed me up and but in a good way and led me to just like go, what is happening to my body right now? But what were some of the symptoms that you were having? I was not to get graphic, but yeah, the, no, things no, no, that were, the things that were coming out of me were awful. Okay. Like it was bad. Like I was in the bathroom. It was bad. Well, cause there's going to be a lot of listeners that have yeah. issues like no, that. And it was, and it was just a friend, a friend, a friend of mine that I met in my travels that he had started with the same product at the same, around the same time as me. He actually called the company because he thought something was wrong with the product because he felt so sick, but it was just his body just purging all this stuff. And it was just, yeah, it was just a, my sweat was real stinky, which was more stinky than I normally am, you know? And then again, the things that were just hitting the bathroom was just, it was rough. It was awful. 
and it took a long time to like, and again, you're, you're, you know, you're dealing with years of, of batty, not batting, but not grading. And, mm -hmm. you know, once you start changing all that, then, uh, once it finally settles down, things get a lot better. And now I just focus heavily on trying to keep my gut as healthy as I can and eat so that I don't destroy the gut biome and all that stuff. <clears throat> that makes a lot of sense. And I've been seeing that a lot with people who like they eat a really bad diet for a long time, you know, you know traditional Western diet, and then they can't really, uh, they can't digest like beans or fiber or yeah. like they have to really be careful because too much fiber will set them off because they're not used to it. Yeah. And so what, I, what I've been learning is that it's like, you almost kind of have to clear your system out and then yeah. you can start doing some, uh, you know, fiber. Yeah. And that probably, it probably didn't help me that at the time that I started, I was working overseas and I was eating in the deep, the dining facility all the time. So my, Outside of the supplements, my food options weren't great. So it was, it probably prolonged the process of what was happening. Where I knew a friend of mine who went and he went and did like a, some fancy uh, retreat where he got to, like, where they just cleanse you basically. And that he said it was, he, he and just a, an example, his feet used to stink so bad. Like his feet were awful. He did that cleanse thing down at that place he was in it was in thailand and uh he came back and his feet didn't stink anymore <laughs> and it's just things like that like just processing yeah you it's know. how your body processes yeah. stuff and you know it's like our bodies are big filters and whatever we eat we yeah. have to come has to come out yeah. it has to affect us in some way yeah you know that's really funny yeah so what was one of the first ways that you started working on your gut bio um at the time and this is you know pre what's going on now uh I had, I realized that I wasn't getting enough greens was the big thing for me was just kind of thinking like, okay, I'm not getting enough greens. There's not like the salads at the, at the chow hall were, you know, lettuce, some and iceberg lettuce, yeah, or, okay. some, some vegetables and all the vegetables were like, you know, it was a dining facility. So there's just mass produced canned vegetables, you know, heated up in water, you know, that type of thing. So it wasn't super nutrient dense and not the best stuff. And I started realizing like, and I was working out pretty hard at the time and, uh, so I started researching a way to get better greens. And at the time, uh, Vega, the company Vega, yeah. you're familiar you with. You yeah. introduced me to Brandon that. Brazier, vegan triathlete. He had one product at the time, and I think it was called Vega One when he first introduced it. Maybe it was pre-Vega One. But anyway, it was just a, a, a meal replacement drink, but it had like so much stuff in it that my body never had or wasn't getting or maybe had once. Like it was just all these you know, all these probiotics, all these like micronutrients, just all these things that my body had never really had. So I ordered it. Uh, I drank the first one after doing some yoga and my body, I was like, I couldn't believe like my body's like, ah, this is amazing. You know, it just, I couldn't believe the physical feeling that I got from it. And I was from that, I was sold immediately. So all I was doing at that time was just one of those a day. And I did that for a couple of years where I would just have one of those days. And I slowly, at that point, maybe it was for two years, I did that. And then when I transitioned into being vegetarian, vegan for a while, but that was the initial introduction. And it was just, like I said, that first one made me feel amazing. And then, then the bathroom fun started and just <laughs> like, the, and it was a community bathroom too, because we were in the barracks on a base and like the people that lived in the barracks were not thrilled with me. Was, <laughs> so, so that started happening after you started taking the stuff to kind yeah, of cleanse your yeah, system like and clear just, things yeah, out. Yeah, it just started pushing just years of bad 
of bad toxins and stuff kind of just started really, like I said, this, and then that's the guy that I met that did the same thing. He got that Vega product and he, he legitimately thought he was sick. Like he thought it was tainted or something. So he was calling the company like, what's wrong with this stuff? And they're like, no, that's normal. Just, it's going to pass. It's just going to take time. That's, you know, and I've heard along those lines that it's like, you know, if you're like through eating a traditional Western diet, your gut gets lined with different crap. It's just, you know, it becomes much more toxic, much more porous, yeah. you know, and it is important to kind of try and clear it out periodically. And, you know, the, what we're talking about, the microbiome, those are probiotics or, you know, kind of like good bacteria that's in your gut that helps with digestion. We all have it. We all need it. Um, antibiotics, stress, different things like that will kill it off. Eating a bad diet will kind of really alter the type of bacteria that you have in your gut. Um, eating a eating like you know a lot of heavy red meat that's not very good quality will produce bad you know bad bacteria in your gut, and that all stuff it'll gonna it's that's gonna dictate how you absorb nutrients, how you process foods, just how you feel in general. Yeah, and I think like our, you know my best friend Rob Bear, who you know he was on high doses of uh, uh, antibiotics when he was younger for acne. Gotcha. And I think that's part of why he has so many problems that he has today. Cause he was just on tetracycline, like high, high doses for long periods of time. They had to test his blood all the time, all that stuff. Wow. And I think that just is part of why he's, but yeah, again, you don't realize as you're going along in life, like even like taking a lot of Motrin, all yeah. these different things just really screws up. And again, like you said, not knowing, you know, you just, you're just eating what the standard American diet and you think you're fine. You think you're healthy and you know, your gut biome. And I mean, there are studies that are saying it's linked to mental health, how you like your mood, all kinds of stuff is coming out from that stuff. There's, so. and, and part of the issue with this is that you're not going to feel it. It's not like you get smacked in the face, like yeah. all of a sudden, wow, I feel like shit. It's while well, I feel like crap. <laughs> it's more slow and subtle. You know, it's a slow and insidious kind of increase of feeling worse and feeling worse. And then a lot of people just say, ah, it's just old age. Yeah. And I, th and I think that's a big thing with all this stuff. And that's something I kind of preach to people uh, fitness wise, nutrition wise, exercise wise is a lot of people don't realize how they can feel and they don't know how they can feel. And it becomes the comfortable cage, which I like to call, you know, the comfortable cage where you feel this way and you just assume that's how you feel. You don't know. And I was the same. I mean, I felt pretty good and I was like, Oh, I can actually feel this much better as opposed to how I feel now. Like, it's just amazing, you know, not being sluggish, not needing to take a nap in the middle of the day, not being dragging, not waking up like, uh, do I want to get up? You know, all that where I feel good. And I, it's just people don't know because they haven't experienced that. They haven't got to that point. They haven't reached. And it takes time. And that's the thing. It's, it's a struggle to get there. And it takes discipline and effort because, you know, it's easy to quit. It's easy to lay around on the couch. It's easy not to eat right. It's easy to stop at McDonald's and get a Big Mac and fries and drink a big drink of soda. It's easy to do all that stuff. Everyone can do it. That's why most people do. It's hard to be disciplined. It's hard to wake up. It's hard to exercise. It's hard to push through maybe a little pain that isn't an injury that you think is, you know, and to get past your mind because that I quit monster will, will tell you all kinds of things, tell you to stop, tell you to quit, tell you to give up. So it's, you know, but again, most, most people just don't realize how good they can feel and how much better their quality of life can be with a little bit of discipline and dedication. Yeah. You know, I think that part of this is part of the whole co complex of all of that <clears throat> is that people, if they want a quick fix, 
you yeah. know, it's like yeah. people want oh, to yeah. go to a doctor and they just want to take a pill to get yeah. rid of something that's been going on for 20 years and not have to worry about it again. Or yeah. like, you know, they gained 20 pounds over the past 20 years. They just want to diet for one week, be done with it, never have to worry about it again. But it doesn't work like that. You know, the way I like to say it to people is like, generally people will gain one to two pounds a year. Yeah. And, but after 20 years, that's 20 to 40 pounds. And after 20 years, people want to diet for one week to get rid of it. But it's taking you 20 years to get to that yeah. point. Yeah. And it takes, I mean, and it, I think it's, it's easier to put stuff on like weight and to lose than it is to gain, to like be, to lose weight and to get better physically and stuff. And it, and that's the problem too, is like you said, people want that quick fix. So they're two months in and they're like, oh, I barely notice anything. What's the point? You know? And they just yeah. give it up. They throw in the tower. It could take, depending on what you've done in your life, especially if you take someone who's never exercised and they're a little older, like it's just going to be, it's going to be a difficult journey for them. Whereas you know, maybe you were a high school athlete and you're in your thirties, it's going to come back a little easier, sure. you know, but it's still going to take some time, but you've at least had that where you've worked out consistently for a period of time. Whereas if you're just coming off the couch after 20 or 30 years of doing nothing, it's, it's going to be difficult. And well, you, you know, along those lines, it's like, if you've been on the couch for 20 or 30 years and trying to exercise, you're not going to get ripped and lean right no. away. You might, and, you might not ever get to be ripped. Yeah, and, mo lean. And, most, and that's the thing I think, and, and it's a problem, you know, it's indicative of our society and our culture and we compare ourselves to other people. We look at people on TV and all that stuff. And I think, you know, most people have this idealized version of maybe how they're going to turn out or how they're going to look. And it's typically not what happens. You know, I mean, very few people are like, look like Adonis, you know, yeah. very few people are super jacked or super lean or have a six pack. It's not that common. And even people that are super healthy and work out all the time, you know, they don't necessarily look all that awesome. You know, that's along those lines. I'd like to say to people, you know, it's like some people, no matter how hard they exercise, they're never going to be a professional athlete. Yeah. You know, just like some people, no matter how hard they exercise, they're never going to get six pack abs. Yeah. Some of it is genetics. You know, I'm sure some of you out there have, you know, you, everybody's had friends that just naturally had six pack abs, yeah. naturally lean. They're naturally like that, but generally I find that it catches up with people if they don't take care of yeah. themselves, you know, by the time we're in you know, forties, fifties, generally if somebody has been naturally lean and they don't take care of themselves, they, you know, they don't feel healthy, you know, and they start, they can put on weight in weird places and just yeah. overall not be healthy. And I think we all know the person that you look at, you're like, dude, come on, man. They do like two curls and a sit up and they they look like, you know, body professional bodybuilder. Right. You're killing yourself yep. and you're like barely making any gains. But, yeah, yeah. The, those people though, they're the statistical outliers, yeah, sure. you know, kind, and kind of along the lines where it's like everybody has a relative who like smoked a pack of filterless Pall Malls or, yeah. you know, drink a shot of whiskey every day and live yeah. to be 95. Yeah. They're yeah. statistical outliers. Sure. Most of us can't do it, but yeah. some few people can, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's, I think, throwing away the notion i mean you're gonna look better overall but you're maybe not what you're the idealized version of what you may look like you mm -hmm. know like again go to gyms look around look at people cycling look at people doing yoga go to a yoga studio you're gonna see every different type of body type in there but they're getting after it and they're healthy and they feel better you know it's like crossfit gyms whatever you're doing if you go and look at them there's a lot of people with just quote unquote normal body types that are mm -hmm. still very fit and getting after it. I mean, I don't look like a Adonis or anything like that, but I'm pretty healthy and I just keep, keep plugging along. You know? Yeah. You know, and it more so it matters about how you feel versus yeah. how you look. And yeah. especially I kind of find, you know, once you're past age 30, 35, you really start focusing more on how you feel versus, you know, how you look, yeah. you know, yeah, and, and, uh, and yeah, vanities. It's a, 
it's an illusion you're chasing. So <laughs> yes, it is. It should be all about functionality and feeling better. You know, and along those lines, <clears throat> I, I see a lot of patients and a lot of people that just want to do cardio because they want to lose weight. Yeah. You know, but what I like to say is that it's like, you know, cardio at this point, it's going to help you run from one flight of stairs to the next without getting winded. But if you have any joint pain, it's not going to stabilize it. It's not going to help shape your body in a way that you want to. Yeah. You know, really, it's a strength training and nutrition is the best way to kind of shape your body. You know, it gives you the best chance possible. Yeah. No, I, you know, uh, an old quote from Pavel Sotsalin was, and it's about the deadlift, but he said the deadlift is a must for everyone who lifts weights and everyone must lift weights. <laughs> and that's what it's the case. It's like, really, you have to have, and I'm a big believer, even if, you got to do some kind of strength training. I agree. Yeah. Whether it's yoga, because yoga can be a strength training, especially yep. if you're doing like a flow style, ashtanga, something along those lines, or just body weight stuff, just doing some push-ups, some pull-ups, some Hindu squats, ab work. I'm a big believer in core work too. Like you have to have a strong core and chassis or nothing's going to work right. It's the base for everything. Yeah. Everything, yeah. all your power transfers out of there, like all that. That's a huge, I think, especially as you get older, that's people, I mean, you've talked about people sitting too much, hips getting tight. You have to work your core. You know, and I sit a lot for my, my main job. So I have to get up, move around and do all that stuff. Cause otherwise, oh man, I'll feel it. You know, everything just kind of tightens up. Yep. You know, and that's, you know, and that's why you want to be able to stretch as well. And yoga does that very well. But, um, you know, it's like one of the things with muscle and with weight and with doing weightlifting and strength training just in general is that as humans, we lose muscle mass as we age, which affects our endurance, affects balance, affects so many aspects of life. So many, I feel that it affects all, a lot of the qualities that we associate with getting older. Yeah. You know, and so if you can just do a little bit of strength training, we're not talking about pumping heavy iron an hour a day, five days a week, yeah. we're talking 20, 30 minutes, two to three days a week for most people in the gym, yeah. you know, that for most people, that's going to be appropriate. You don't really do, do, you don't need to do much more than that. But also you want to keep in mind, you want to exercise, exercise in ways that don't hurt you. If you're doing an exercise that hurts, just try and find something else that works the same body part, but doesn't hurt. And you also have to learn the difference between, again, hurting and just normal pain from exercise because exercises can be painful, but it's a good pain, not ow, like this is bad. Right, like this is a bad joint yeah, issue. Yeah, I yeah, need to back off yeah, from yeah. it. Hey, this is a good time for us to take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes to continue talking. We're gonna get into intermittent fasting and a little more into nutrition. Please join us. Are you in pain? Has your doctor told you that you need to start exercising, but you don't know where? Do you want to exercise, but you are in too much pain? Or you start a new exercise routine only to injure yourself and have to stop? How do you exercise when you are in pain? How do you exercise and eat to reduce pain and inflammation? Is your pain associated with what you eat? If you have any of these questions or are interested in any of the topics discussed on Dr. Joshua Cohen's show, then you'll want to check out CohenTriggerPoint.com. You'll find information on all of the topics covered on the show. The site features an extensive library of blogs covering most health topics. There's also an exercise and nutrition program that is designed to get you from not exercising at all to moving, exercising, and eating healthy in consistent ways that are easy on your body and wallet. Join the gentle revolution. Go easy on your body because the rest of the world won't be easy on you. Exercise smarter, not harder. Eat smarter. Don't follow fad diets. 
exercise sustainably, eat sustainably, have a pain-free day. You are listening to Pain-Free Day with Joshua Cohen. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send an email to josh at cohentriggerpoint.com. Now, back to Pain-Free Day. All right. Welcome back to Pain-Free Day. I'm Josh Cohen, and I'm here with my good friend, Sean LaValle. So we've been talking about exercise and nutrition, and at this point, I kind of want to shift things to talk a little more about nutrition. Um, Sean's had a really interesting journey that I want to want to him to kind of take us through nutritionally, uh, because it addresses a lot of questions that a lot of patients of mine have, and I feel a lot of people in general have, because we're seeing all this information about eating plant-based, vegetarian versus meat eater, and you know you're hearing all these different things about all these crazy diets, carnivore diet, vegan diet. You know which one is right for you. You're in, you in particular are going to need something a little different than somebody else, and that's why we're talking about listen to how you feel, pay attention to your body. If something doesn't feel right, trust your instincts with it. So, Sean, you know, why don't you tell us about because you know when you were in the army, I think that's when you kind of transitioned into eating, or was it when you were after the contracting? Army? Contracting, yeah, okay, overseas, that's when yeah. you switched to being vegetarian. Yeah. What what um, what caused you to do that? Well, I think now I understand it's called kind of the vegan honeymoon. Mm-hmm. So you get that initial, and again, like I referring to eat, drinking that Vega, my body getting nutrients that it never had gotten before. So I felt like so good, and so I slowly started cutting back on meat a little bit and eating more in supplement and then getting just more plant-based stuff. And what really ended up happening was I, I was working out of Afghanistan and I took a three week break. We had three week vacation and I was like, I'm not going to eat meat on this vacation. And I was places where I could do that. I was overseas, but I was on vacation. I think I was in Sweden and some other places. And uh, I was able to go three weeks without eating meat and get like really good food. And I felt amazing. I went back to base, came off vacation and got a, got some meat and I got sick. So I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to go. And it's, it, you know, again, you can also, you can go deep into the, the documentaries and the books and all that stuff that will tell you how vegan or vegetarian is the right way to go. For me, a lot of it, a, it was how I felt in that honeymoon thing. It was also, I was also worried about the ramifications of factory farming and all that stuff. That was an issue for me was, was factory farming, you know, cutting down rainforest to put in cattle farms, stuff like that was bothering me. And I knew that I was getting, especially on base that I was getting low quality, bad meat, you know, it wasn't anything great. So that was what really pushed me to, to go to that, that route. And it was, I had to buy a lot of supplements because I was, you know, there wasn't many options. What is the vegan honeymoon? Can you explain that? Yeah, it's just, you just go from standard American diet to eating all these plants and you just, you're like, oh my God, I feel amazing. So you just, okay. you just Fair assume enough. like, oh, it's because I'm a vegan that I feel this way. But if you just introduced all those plants and all those probiotics and all these different micronutrients that you don't get eating the standard American diet into your diet, you would feel good, you know? So, but it's just that initial shock to your system of eating all this super healthy stuff that and again, that's if you're doing vegan and vegetarian right, because it's very easy to do them wrong. Right. I, yeah, I kind of like a joke where it's like, I mean, you can live off, you, you could eat potato chips and Oreos, and that's vegan. vegan yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like what it comes down to, I think more is processed food, trying yeah, to avoid processed it. sugary foods, yeah. you know? And that was a lot of 
I was getting. So yeah, so I and I so I I did that and went to that you know plant based route. And again, I felt really good, and I did it right over the years. You know, I did it for about five or six years, and I did it right. You know, I got my blood checked, made sure all my vitamin levels were good. You know, I supplemented. I took in you know spirulina and chlora, chlora, chlorella. chlorella and just, you know, I was taking in everything that you're supposed to do. I was, you know, I got B vitamins. I made sure I was eating sauerkraut and fermented foods and which I still like anyway, but I just made sure that I got enough of those things that you were supposed to get to keep to quote unquote do vegan and vegetarian. Right. Cause again, it, it is doable. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, John Joseph from the Crow Mags who's, 20 plus years of being a vegan, you know, and he's doing Ironman triathletes all the time and stuff and he's perfectly okay. So it's very doable, mm -hmm. you know, that makes sense. You know, but kind of like we're saying, you know, everybody has a different yeah. kind of optimal diet for them. So then, um, you know, cause it's when you went vegetarian, you, you kind of came back and were talking to me about it. And I was like, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while and you kind of gave me the impetus to start it. Yeah. And since then I've been really reading about plant-based eating meat, animal protein, stuff like that. And I love eating, you know, plant-based. But with that being said, I'm not 100%. I still eat yeah. some cheese on the weekend. I still eat seafood as well. And what we're finding is that it's important to eat a little something like that, but not too much. So why don't you tell us about, you know, so when you were going, you know, vegetarian, vegan, uh, you know, how did you feel? What, you know, were you kind of thinking about trying to eat meat again? Did you, what possessed you to start eating meat? Or if, you know? Yeah, so I, again, I felt fine. My, all my vitamin levels were good. Everything was technically okay. I can't describe what it was, but I just felt like I was missing something. You know, it's hard to put my finger on. I just, I kind of, and I also noticed that I was, not that I was weak, but I was weaker than normal. You know, and I, you know, and I've been working out for, again, for a long time. So I know my body. I know what I'm capable of physically. And there was just a, a light dip, nothing crazy, but a noticeable dip. And again, I, I just felt like I was missing something. And oddly enough, this is going to sound weird, but I had multiple dreams over the years of eating meat, of just sitting at a table eating meat. I would wake up and be like, it would be clear as day, a dream of me eating meat. So I started thinking like, okay, something's going on. And the, the final thing was, uh, I didn't notice, but people had commented on how skinny I had gotten. Oh, and it was a gradual decline. I didn't realize it. And I don't weigh myself. I don't care what I weigh, like all that stuff. So when someone I work with made a comment to me that I need to eat more, I jumped on the scale and I was like 15 to 20 pounds lighter than I normally walk around at. And I was okay, that's too much. Like, that's just, I'm just wasting away to nothing. And I was eating a lot. I was taking in plenty of protein. Like I was eating, again, what you're supposed to do. But for whatever reason, my body just would not maintain weight on that diet. So. I uh, gradually ease back into eating meat again, which you have to be very careful with if you haven't eaten meat in a while. Otherwise, you'll get super sick. And uh, and since then, I've put that weight back on, and I feel, I just feel better. I'm stronger again. The weights that I used to move, I'm moving again. Things that I used to do, I'm doing again. Everything's kind of reset back to baseline. But I don't, I, again, I don't eat a ton of meat. Well, that's what I was going to ask you that yeah. next. Like, how much animal protein do you? Yeah. So take I, in? the only thing I did different, like my my my. I started having adding whey protein a few days a week, three, four days a week, depending. So I have that big smoothie every morning. I still do that, but I just, instead of like plant-based protein, I'll throw in whey protein a few days, you know, four days a week or so, depending on what I'm doing. Um, my lunches are typically still plant-based. Um, 
you know, and I, I just eat the same things. I'm also fine with eating the same things all the time, but, and then dinner is where I've started adding. So I'll have, I don't know, depend again, depending on what I'm doing and how I'm feeling, you know, four days a week or so, I'll throw in some, some meat and I eat eggs the other days typically. So dinner is the one meal that I've kind of gone to more meat. And I also only do local organic grass fed. I buy it at the farmer's market. I know where it's coming from. I know what's in it. So that's all, but that's also expensive, which is part of why I don't eat it all the time either. But also everything that I've seen and read is that's, that you yeah. don't, you don't want to eat it that much, you know, yeah. four times a week, you know, four, six, you know, four to six ounce portions yeah. a week is yeah. about, you know, the, uh, you know, yeah. what you should be eating. But then also what you're saying as well, it makes so much of a difference where the stuff comes from. Yeah. You know, what is, what is, what was the animal eating that you're going to eat? Yeah. excuse me, that you're going to eat? Was it just in a feedlot eating just grain that will make yeah. it more inflammatory? Was it out roaming around in the grass eating good quality, yeah. you know, herbs and grasses and stuff like that? And what's interesting is say free range, you know, grass fed beef tastes different mm-hmm. than factory farm beef, but most people prefer the taste of the factory farm beef. It's yeah. actually better taste wise, but it's because it's been like fattened up and marbled and all that stuff. And it's so people will get the grass for beef. Like this isn't that good, but it, it is good, but it's just, and it's better for you. It's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. And if honestly, like if, if I would like to hunt so I could just know for sure where everything's coming from, but it's also as hobby creep at this point. I was so many expensive (laughs) hobbies, time time suck hobbies that it's tough to, and I haven't hunted since I was a kid. So it's tough. But anyway, like that's the ideal to me. That's ideal. Like if you could go out, and get an animal or get animals every year, keep them in a freezer. You know where your meat's coming from. It's healthy meat, you know. So that's why I go, again, I go to the farmer's market. I know those people, like, I know where they're from. You know, you can, yeah. So that's the way to go. But yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was a gradual. And again, it took me a while to ease back into it. You got to start with bone broth, and then slowly, like, then some just plain chicken, and then you can get into beef. So, and I rotate, you know, I have, I'll eat chicken, I'll eat beef, I'll eat fish and egg. eggs are i had started eating eggs all the, uh, pretty regular when i wasn't vegan like i was eating eggs pretty regularly because it's they're so nutritious mm-hmm. they're so good for you um that i was eating those pretty regularly and so i still eat eggs you know probably three or four days a week at this point still and there's arguments to be made that they're actually okay if you're a vegan or vegetarian mm-hmm. they won't want to say that but the argument can't because they're going to lay the eggs anyway the key is just you know again local someone you know or you know go into the co-op to get them or something where they're not sitting in a feedlot and they're just processing eggs it's actually you know my, someone i work with will give me eggs sometimes and stuff like that there oh that's cool yeah it's good stuff so yeah you know and then the bone broth i think that that's a good way to try to kind of transition into intermittent fasting which is sure. a big part of what i wanted to talk to you guys about today because you know it's a big topic now a lot of people are talking about it sean you were one of the first people that i knew that was into intermittent fasting and experimenting with it and I personally think it's very legitimate. I think there really is something to it. I think, you know, it takes the theory that we're eating all the time. Most of the time when we're eating, we're eating for entertainment purposes, not to sustain ourselves. Boredom. Yeah, out yeah. of boredom. You know, and so, you know, I like to joke with people that it's like when you're on an airplane and they give you those peanuts, it's not because you're going to starve. It's to shut you up, to put yeah, something yeah. in your mouth so you're entertained, yeah. you know. And so intermittent fasting, it just kind of keeps you eating within certain windows. So you're not eating all day long. Yeah. Yeah. And I... So and oddly enough, I was when we were I was thinking about this doing this podcast, I realized again, Pavel Sosseline, who was, you know, man ahead of his time, he published a book by a guy named Ori, I forget he's he was like uh 
I want to say like Jewish special forces or something. I think I've never seen that dude's name. Yeah, yeah. Is, is Israeli army or something. He was like some high level bad dude, you know, uh, bad in a good way, um, like a warrior. And he put out this book called The Warrior Diet. And I, oh, I remember that. Yeah, I bought it and I was reading it. And I was like, this is nonsense, right? Because it was one meal a day. So it was intermittent. It was the original like intermittent fasting book and intermittent fasting has been around for a while. Fasting has been around forever. You can look back at religious texts, all this stuff. I messed around when I was younger with fast, but they weren't real fast. I thought they were, but I was taking in like V8 and like different things which stimulates digestion. But I had played with the idea. It was more of no solid food was what I was doing back in the day. But anyway, so I bought that book and I, I just didn't believe it was true. I was also in the military at the time and like, there was no way that would work. Um, so then as time went on and more information came out, I think it was Dr. Rhonda Patrick that I really, who's been like on Joe, yeah, she's been on Joe Rogan a bunch of times and she has a website. Like she's great. She was the one that was really started talking about the benefits of intermittent fasting and how, and that's what really was the impetus to push me to intermittent fasting. And I've been doing it for a while now. So what are some of the benefits? I, so number one, I feel better. It also, again, I, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in discipline. And that's why, like, I love Jocko and because discipline equals freedom. And I think regiment, being regimented and disciplined is the key to being consistent in your life, right? And it's all mindset and it's all just discipline is going to, you know, it's going to cause you to, to not eat that Twinkie in the middle of the night and stuff like that. So for me and how ridiculously anal I am about my schedule, you know, which people know, <laughs> like, I, I am not very flexible with my schedule. Um, but it helps me because it's, it's the same. I'm eating at the same time, like every day. So it's, but it, the big thing is, you know, so it, a, it's a, it's a catalyst towards maintaining discipline to eating healthier. So the first thing is you're on a limited window to eat. You're on a limited window to eat. So you're going to want to take in good stuff. You want to make sure you get your proper nutrition. So it's going to limit you eating a lot of, you know, extra stuff that you don't need those snacks that you don't need that you think you do, you know, it, it also teaches you and you know part of the benefit for me was like i'm really not hungry i think i am right but i'm not you know i can go x amount of time and what's funny is like if you were in the military for any time or did anything crazy like we were getting starved all the time not intentionally just missions and stuff you would go do crazy stuff with no food and not realize like oh you'd be hungry but you're like oh, i just did you know this thing with no food for 12 hours or whatever so yeah but the I feel better. I feel clear. I feel lighter. Um, I think, and someone had said the, the one, like the premise is, is basically you're allowing your food to actually digest instead of putting food on top of food, on top of food, on top of food, slowing down everything. It gives you your digestion fully clears out and you, you know, and that's what I've read as well is that, you know, giving your body that break, giving your gut that break, yeah. it allows your gut to kind of reset. Yeah. From what I've read, it actually helps out with the gut, biome, gut sure. microbiome, yeah. you know, it really helps out with yeah. that. Some other benefits that I've seen, you know, increased fat burning, lower in blood insulin and sugar levels, revert, possible reversal of type two diabetes, more mental clarity and concentration, possibly increased energy, you know, increased human growth hormone, improved blood cholesterol levels you know, different things like that, decreased inflammation. Yeah. No, I, I, and it's, again, it's hard to quantify. Just, I feel better intermittent fasting. I just, and, it, and the thing with it is if you want to lose weight, like intermittent fasting is one of the best things to do. I think so too. I'm not trying to lose weight and I still intermittent fast and I maintain 
where I was. And it, like, if you go on Reddit, the subreddit intermittent fasting, like it's just all these testimonials of people that have been intermittent fasting and they detail what they've done and the weight loss and they show before and after pictures and all that stuff. It's incredibly beneficial. And I, again, I, I work out hard. I work out fasted. I don't eat. And you know, there used to be that con that bro science con concept of like, you have 20 minutes to eat after you lift or you're right. going to eat your body. You, you have that window where yeah. you're Anab the anabolic window. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. The anabolic window. If you don't take in protein, your body's going to feed on itself and you're not going to make any gains. No. Cause I work out from 5am to 6am days that I actually go to the office or whatever. And I lift or do yoga or whatever. And I go hard and I don't eat till 10 a.m. And I'm fine. And I'm still making gains. I still look fine. Like I'm, my body's not eating itself. It's not destroying itself. And someone made the joke, talked about what would have happened in olden times if that was the case. Everybody would be dead because there was food scarcity all the time, food insecurity all the yeah. time. And people were doing like hard labor. Yeah. I mean, look at just, I mean, you know, look at slave labor in the past and stuff of like people that have survived on next to nothing. I mean, look at, you know, what people did, barely any food at all. And we're able to survive, you know, years of bad stuff. So, yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things that you see in the blue zones as well, where it's like people, they have periods of starvation. Yeah. But then also most of the time, they're not eating these crazy, like intense yeah. meals or crazy complicated meals. Like we were talking earlier, rice and beans, you yeah. know, sweet potatoes, more staple yeah. foods that they tend to eat, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so that stuff, it just sustains you and it's easy yeah. on your body. Yeah. And, um, so what is like a pattern, you know, that you do? So I do... And there's different ones you can do, obviously. Um, and again, if any of this stuff, if you're starting out, you need to ease into it. Um, I, you know, haven't wrestled a lot in my life and cut weight and all that stuff. I'm okay with being hungry. You know, it's not a huge deal for me. And, and you're going to feel hungry. It's just an adjustment. Like, I still, you know, days that I really work out hard in the morning, like this morning I hit it really hard, I was ready to eat at 10 a.m. Like I was ready for, but, for that. But along those lines, like you're getting, you're getting used to something, like yeah, customizing sure. yourself. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. That's part of life. You know, and, that, and that's part of it. And I think that's why people eat so much because yeah. they get used to that big, full, yeah. satisfied, satiated feeling yeah. in their stomach yeah. from a whole lot of, you know, a big 12 yeah. ounce steak or something. And they don't feel satisfied unless they have that, yeah. you know, every yeah. meal. No, it's all, it's a lot of, so much in your mind. So yeah, I, I do uh, most of the time 16 and eight. So I fast 16 hours a day. I eat eight hours. So I eat from 10 to six. Um, and that, that works for me, works for my schedule. If again, if, and the thing that it's good is it like teaches you again, like you don't necessarily need to eat. So you can go. So like, again, you're walking through the airport and you feel like you have to stop and grab a snack. You don't, you're going to be okay. You'll yeah, survive. Yeah. And it just teaches you to, to understand that like, okay, I really don't, I can do crazy things and not eat right away and be okay. It's kind of like dealing with my kids where it's like, especially my younger son who will say, I'm hungry. I need a cookie I'm like, yeah. or I need potato chips. I'm like, well, here, half a piece of pepper or an apple first. He's like, nah, I'm not hungry. Yeah. Right? Or I don't yeah, want yeah, that. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, then you're not hungry. Yeah. Yeah. You know? You just have that sugar craving for the snack. Thing. Yeah. So yeah, the 16, eight, a lot of people do 20 and four. A lot of people will do OMAD, the one meal a day. That's if you're really trying to like cut weight. OMAD's like the way to go. So. Well, I was listening to a guy talk over the weekend that was saying how, you know, it's like kind of doing the, you know, 16, eight throughout, you know, for five days and then doing one day of just dinner and then one day of kind of feeding yourself okay. where you have like a cheat day. Yeah. Fridays you know? I is the one day I kind of, I'll break my fast early. I won't worry about it as much. I still stop eating at 6 PM most of the time. That's mm -hmm. just whatever. But like Friday, cause it's like my quote unquote day off, you know, an active recovery day. 
and uh that's the day like i'll i'll you know i'll break my fast early i'll I'll take in some extra stuff you know i'll, I'll maybe have like a some candy or something just something a little treat you know one day a week type of thing so it's, yeah but doing it every once in a while I was fine. yeah yeah you, yeah, you do that yeah, all the yeah. time and it's just yeah, yeah. you know it's a, along those lines I, you know it's i have kids so for me it'd be very difficult to stop eating at six you know two Ooh. days a week when i'm when i'm here at work and have to work at night i'll stop eating at around 4 30 because that's yeah. when i'll have my last meal and i just won't eat when i go home but it's like tonight when I go home, I'll probably be cooking in between six and seven, eat in between seven yeah. and eight, somewhere around there. And I'll just try not to eat after dinner. Yeah. And that's, and that's again, whatever your schedule is. So like if you stop eating at seven or eight, then go 16 hours before you break your, you know, before you eat again, you know, and again, it's going to teach you, you know, like you're going to maybe only eat twice a day or, yeah, you know, I still eat three times a day, but that's just, again, I'm trying to not lose weight because I'm a skinny guy by nature and, you know. I don't need to like waste away like I did when I was a vegan or vegetarian where I dropped, you know, 20 pounds without even trying, which I didn't have to lose. So yeah, I eat a fair amount. You can, again, and that's the thing. And it's, it's crazy. Cause you, I don't know, you don't eat as much and you feel fine. Again, it's just, it teaches you so much about yourself, about your mindset. And then if you get into like extended fast, that is a whole nother world of like teaching you. Let's talk about that a minute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Extended fast is where you go, say three days without food, um, without anything other than, then there's arguments amongst the community because there's no set scientific data on it yet. Um, some people say only water. Other people say like coffee or tea without anything in it is fine. Um, or mate, if you drink mate, like it's all fine. Um, so there's arguments about that. So I'll have, I'll do three day fast uh, once a quarter or so. Cause again, I'm not trying to drop a ton of weight and that's like a good reset. They say 72 hours is like the magic kind of reset for your body. So every quarter or so I'll do 72 hours where I'll just have some coffee and some tea and I still lift. I, st I go light. Don't get me wrong. I'm doing mm -hmm. like a very light workout. It's difficult. You know that you get, I don't know for me, I found cause Rob, Rob Bear also has done these extended fasts. I think he did five days one time. But anyway, for whatever reason, like 24 to 30 hours, somewhere in there, he gets so hungry. So hungry. <laughs> I can imagine. But man. then it goes. But like by the third day, you have to kind of make yourself eat because you don't even realize. It's a, it's a weird feeling. Like you feel so light. It's hard to describe. Like everything's bright and you feel light. You feel a little bit, you know, you have to be careful because you might stand up too fast and you get a little lightheaded. Because again, your body's completely depleted. But I, I sleep fine. I feel good. I don't like. I'm not like I'm so hungry, starving. I feel fine. It's good. You know. Again, and like, kind of have to force yourself to eat. You know, you got to ease back into it. And every, again, everybody being different, everybody's body being different. Some people can come out of a three day fast and just like eat a pizza and they're fine. Other people, they kind of have to take it easy. I ease back into food. I don't. I can handle just shoving stuff into my face because I can eat pretty much anything and I'm okay but I ease into it. So I'll do three day fast, 72 hours. Again, no, I don't even take any of my vitamins. Like I don't do anything. All I have is some, cause I'm a caffeine. Like I don't want to go through caffeine withdrawal and have like a bad headache to go with it. So I have coffee or tea throughout the the fast. I stopped drinking kombucha. Like I don't, uh, okay. just cause there's, there's sugar, sugar and, and sure. stimulates digestion and all that stuff. So yeah, I stay off of everything, but water, coffee, and, tea. and you drink so much water. 
it is crazy how much water you drink when you're on an extended fast, even fasting, intermittent fasting, you have to put down a lot of water because you get a lot of water from food, which people don't realize. Yep, yeah. 70% of all yeah. water you absorb so, is from. Like I, I put down so much water and I still kind of, you know, I have to drink water. So when I'm coming off a three day fast, I'll have like bone broth. Then an hour later, I'll have some nuts and an apple. And then a few hours after that, I'll have my smoothie and then I'll have a regular dinner. And I feel fine. The only thing, you know, again, weird things can happen. Like I get diarrhea when I do an extended fast for whatever reason. That's what I was reading. You can do that or get constipation. Yeah. 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 Not me. I'm, and I'm pretty regular. I mean, everything just shoots out of me. So it's not a big deal. But yeah, I end up getting diarrhea. But that's actually a blessing though. That you can no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's, it's good because I feel like it's clearing everything out when I'm on yeah. that extended fast. And it's just, hey, and it, all this stuff, man all this stuff and you have to look at it as like you're accomplishing stuff. You have to look at it as you're winning a battle. You know, you, you have to assign value to what you're doing, whether that's exercise or diet. So I look at like when I am looking at, okay, I'm going to do a three day fast. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to suck. I know it's going to be three days of kind of being a little bit uncomfortable. But again, life can be uncomfortable. And I think we've gotten too comfortable with being comfortable. So that's why mm -hmm. I preach. That's why I love, you know, when you push yourself hard, when you're working out, when you're suffering on the bike or when you're suffering in the gym or whatever it is you're doing, when you do that suffering, it makes everything else seem easier. So, and I, and I think it was Tim Ferriss. He was talking about, he likes to do every so often, like he'll just sleep on the floor of his kitchen to make sure to remind himself, like if things go bad, I'm going to be okay. And that's, look, things happen. Food insecurity happens. Stuff happens. Okay. I can go three days without eating and still exercise and I'm okay. It's uncomfortable, but then when you get done, you just feel great. So, and I think it's just assigning value to these things that you're doing exercise or, or diet or nutrition. It's, it's again, making it like you're looking at it as like a, that you've accomplished something and give yourself some credit. You know, again, don't compare yourself to other people and just give yourself some credit for what you're doing. It's hard to do. It's hard. You know? Oh, I struggle with it still. I've been doing this for a long time. And like, I still will look, cause it, you, you, like, I mean, we've been riding together a long time and exercising a long time, you know, look at when we were racing all the time, you know, you were racing expert and like coming into the, towards the end of the, yeah. every time, but you were still, but it was just like, how frustrating is it? We're putting in all the same amount of time that like Schultz was putting in or that, you know, Evans putting in or any of these people with Sue, like putting the same amount of time and they're crushing us. Yep. And it's like so frustrating. It was like that with me with wrestling. It was like that with me, you know, with lifting you again, it's just, and you, so it's good to look to other people for inspiration. At the same time, you can't expect the same results as other people. Right. And just because you don't win everything doesn't mean yeah. you have to give up. On yeah. It and that's well. just, again, it's assigning again, assigning value. Like, okay. And it was, you know, it's funny. The one thing I took away from all that, one of my very first race, um, brand new to cycling, new to all this. And this is something I've taken with me from that time that I've kept with me. That's I think a good way to look at it. Um, I'm just, I'm terrible, right? I'm on the bike. I'm terrible. It's my first race ever. I've been riding for like two months. I'm still wearing like cotton t-shirts and like regular shorts. I don't even know if I had clipless pedals at the time. It was up at Beaver at the, okay. up there. And I'm like next, I would think I was in a lot. I passed, like a 70 year old guy right at the end to come in second to last. Like it was, <laughs> it was a disaster, right. but I'm, I'm hike a bike section. I'm trying to get up this hill. I'm miserable. Like my brain's telling me to just, you suck. You need to quit. You know, the I quit monsters talk to me. 
And there's some, you know, there's people out on the courses cheering and stuff. And some guy's like, hey, man, good job. You're doing great. I'm like, no, I'm not. This is terrible. This sucks. <laughs> He's like, hey, you're not sitting at home, sitting on the couch, watching TV. You're out here doing this. And I took that. I was like, you know what? That's the type of mindset you need to have. Like, so what if you're in last place? So what if you suck at what you're doing? You're out doing it, which is better than 90% of the population. You have the luxury to do it. You have the ability to do it and you're doing it and you find enjoyment in it. So it's just, even if you're terrible at it, and it was like the first time I ever did yoga and I'm looking at the people next to me like, good Lord, I'm terrible at this, you know, but again, okay, but I'm going to, it's making progress, little incremental changes. And again, you're out doing it. And you need to make yourself a little uncomfortable in order to have any gains. You know, if you don't make yourself uncomfortable at all, you're never going to change. You're never going to grow. You're never going to, you know, get any stronger fat. Not that you need to get stronger or faster or quicker, but you want to keep growing and developing and advancing everything in life. Yeah. It's, it's so key to just being a better human being overall. And I think that's, what's just lost. A lot of people just, I don't know. They're just kind of lost and it's sad, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And just people get wrapped up in stuff and you don't need to wrap yourself up in it. But that's a long conversation. About <laughs> a lot of Wait, one of the things I like though, is that, you know, between nutrition and exercising, you really can affect how, you know, depression, anxiety, no, it's, things it's, like that. Like I, if I didn't, I know how I feel if I have to take a little bit of time off and it's just even my light week where I take it easy. I still work out every day. It's just more of an active recovery, but I just feel bad. Like the days I don't like, it's just, you feel more sluggish. You just yeah. don't feel as good. You don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't, and I also have a ton of injuries from long time. My knees have arthritis, like all this stuff. My, I've not been kind to my body over the years. I can't imagine how bad I would feel if I didn't take care of myself now. It would probably be a disaster. So I would agree. I think that is with most people. And it's yeah. like, you know, exercising is not going to cure everything, but, but it really helps, yeah. helps you progress better, helps you feel better. Yeah. And you I, know, working in a hospital, seeing how people age and how bad off they are when they're older. I don't want to be like that. Like, I don't want to, I, it's just, it doesn't look pleasant. That, you know, most of the issues that we associate with aging are preventable. Yeah. You know, certainly everybody's going to die. Yeah. Entropy's coming for all of us, but it's a matter of mitigating the, the, the bad outcomes. Yeah. And being as comfortable and trying to make the last few years of our life as comfortable yeah. as yeah, possible. I want to be like the 85 year old dude if I live that long, like, walking five miles a day or something, you know what I mean? Yelling at kids to get off your lawn. (laughs) Which I I do anyway. I'm I'm that, I'm that old curmudgeon anyway. So So you got to keep doing it for many years to come. Hey, well, we are out of time. It's been fascinating talking with you, Sean. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I hope you all have learned something and gotten a little out of this. And I hope this helps you all to have a pain-free day. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Pain-Free Day. Make sure you join Joshua Cohen for another program next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go enjoy your pain-free day.